everyone. This is Janet and BB with Coast to Coast again. We have watched a number of shows in the past week and we wanted to do a recap and sort of updated thoughts on all of them. So this includes shows across Netflix, our favorite Korean drama of the moment, True Beauty, and then also Mr. Queen. So we start with the first show on our list, which is the number two hit on Netflix from this past weekend. And it's a serial killer documentary. So of course it became <laughs> immediately popular online and that is Night Stalker. Uh, so both of us, I believe, binged it this weekend, right? So uh, yeah, BB, why don't you start by giving your opinions? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I feel like there are so many memes about serial killers TV series now because there's been so many of them and they've all been super popular, which is so counterintuitive because we're literally in a time where like... <laughs> Like, I mean, Night Stalker is terrifying to me. So I binged it on Friday night, which is like not a night I watch a lot of TV because I'm usually way too tired from the week to do too much TV. But my husband and I, we sat down, we watched one episode, and then the next thing we know, we finished the entire (laughs) series in one sitting. (laughs) And it was like midnight, and I'm like thoroughly horrified for the remainder of the weekend. And I think the reason I found it so interesting was um, not necessarily because it was like actually the better, like, you know, from my perspective. So like just taking a step back, what did I like about it? I just really was fascinated by the story, right? I think there's always a piece of us that's super fascinated by serial killers and sort of what goes on in their heads Mm -hmm. when they decide to do these terrible, terrible things to other human beings. So that part was super fascinating to me. I personally do not think that the series was well produced compared to some of the other ones, like the Ted Bundy tapes. And even the Tap Bunny movies, etc. Like, I felt like those were better produced and more artfully done. I mean, as artfully done as you can be with a serial killer series. Mm, I haven't seen that. That's like next on my list, the Ted Bundy one. The Tap Bunny one was, the movie especially was really good, um, I thought. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think the one sort of like critique I have for the series was just the fact that it felt very like newsflash, you know? Every single murder, they, you know, I think what made it so interesting is the fact that they like literally spared no details in terms of the killings. You know, they (laughs) showed you every single photograph that was taken at the poor victim's homes with very little actually like blacked out, right? So you basically got a very good sense of how they happened. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the content they had at their disposal, I'm guessing because it was such a media frenzy at the time and they got all these like sort of sign-offs from the family members who released these photos in order to catch the serial killer. They had a lot of tabloidy kind of like uh, ways of showing this data and it just felt like one news flash after another and maybe it's because I watched all four episodes in one sitting so it became just kind of repetitive as if I'm watching a very long run on news segment. So that's the part that was like both like I get why they did it that way but also just like a little harder from a sort of I think from an audience perspective. But ultimately I think what they did really well that was also really interesting was at the end sort of giving you a glimpse into this person right like not just kind of like this is a terrible person but like kind of like who he is how he was brought up and what might have motivated him. Not that there was any reason anyone should have done anything like what he did, but what motivated him to sort of go on this rampage. So I think all these things made the series a super compelling and interesting bingeable series to watch, but it also literally like I think traumatized me forever. And now I like triple check all of my locks yeah. <laughs> every night. <laughs> so there's that. What did you think about it, Janet? Yeah, no, I felt the same. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, I so I haven't seen that many serial killer documentaries. 
I've seen like some of the one episode ones from that series that Netflix did of like the people on death row where they, you know, every mm. episode they feature someone on death row and a few of them are also pretty disturbing. I couldn't finish that series because it was like really dark and pretty depressing. But this mm. was, I feel like it's better when it's like a series about like one particular killer because you just get more into it. Oh, I also saw, actually, I saw Don't Fuck With Cats, you know, mm. about that. But it wasn't a serial killer, I guess. It was that guy, that really messed up guy in Vancouver who, you know, posted those YouTube videos with uh, like murdering cats and then killed somebody in real life in a very uh, like disgusting way. I didn't actually finish that one, but I do, you know, I'm generally a pretty big true crime fan as well. I just think there's something like really uniquely like fascinating about, you know, understanding exactly what causes a uh, person to do stuff like that. And um, I also, I I thought this was pretty decently done, but I agree with you is a lot of reenactments as well as photographs. And I was actually impressed that they got access to so many photos, you know, because I was like, they must have really, you know, had to build a relationship with like the law enforcement to get them to share all this documentation and stuff that was good i actually really want have you seen the hbo one on the golden state killer yet that i'll be gone in the dark no i haven't seen that okay that's like next on my list too <laughs> as well as the yeah Ted i need ones. to i need to watch that one yeah yeah i mean oh gosh <laughs> i know i'm gonna be on like a serial killer binge i think i've also seen so many of them that this one actually didn't really scare me <laughs> are you serious are you serious? Oh my like, gosh. Well, because like once you, well, because I listened to, you know, the Golden State Killer stuff like all of last year. I told you about that LA Times podcast, which I, you know, Man in the Window, which is Mm-hmm. pretty disturbing yeah i don't know i think i've seen too many of them like it's disturbing obviously especially some of his more horrific like ways that he killed people but like yeah i don't know it just doesn't bother me anymore <laughs> that's crazy i feel like Shut i should up. be a i mean i told you i think like if i had a dream job it'd be like to be a murder detective <laughs> <laughs> i think i would still like to do that <laughs> interesting yeah. interesting yeah. um i was just gonna ask like what were some of the biggest takeaway you had from night stalker yeah like what impressed you the most or what was yeah i think what was made this less scary actually is that he was actually caught really quickly i think there's something obviously more horrifying about the unsolved you know murders that mm-hmm. are still out there like i think the zodiac killer is still like at large and then obviously the golden state killer it took him freaking 30 years to find him through dna uh you mm-hmm. know it's good they finally found him but he really i mean so by comparison like the night stalker was actually caught very quickly within really six months of like his main spree of crimes but then within probably about a year or two years of like when he started killing that's pretty fast like that's actually really well done for law enforcement and then you know the thing with all these true crime documentaries kind of show you is like how messy the detective process is and how like not well Mm -hmm. set up our legal and policing system like our locality based police system is for multiple murder type of cases right Mm -hmm. because especially when it crosses jurisdictions and like i actually have lived in the city the area where he committed these crimes in la this is where i lived actually before um, business school i lived in whittier and so you know i was in like pico rivera and you know diamond bar like i would visit all these places monterey park so it felt very familiar to me and yeah these are tiny cities who like each have their own policing field and the detectives were no doubt dedicated to their job 
the Gill and Salerno who we follow through the series, but you can really start to see a lot of the problems with the fact that they couldn't get information sharing from like the LAPD, the fact that, you know, that one day when he went to the dentist, they like couldn't get the button to work. Mm-hmm. Like I think on Twitter, that's like the biggest, most popular tweet is like, I don't <laughs> understand why the receptionist couldn't have called 911. <laughs> like instead the button didn't work, you know? <laughs> And, and and like, I mean, not even that, but like, why couldn't the dentist have gotten his fingerprints at the very least? Because clearly the guy has to sign something when he's in the office. He also has to, you know, usually get a cup and spit out, right? Like if we're all in the dentist, mm-hmm. we all have to touch things. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, that, that feels like there's, there's something going on with that. And they like just brush it over and they were like, yeah, he just like called me at 10 o'clock and said it didn't work. I'm like, that's not really, like he didn't give you anything, you know, when he was, yeah. So that, that was really strange to me. And I'd be curious what happened there. But (laughs) so there's a lot of those mistakes. And the fact that like they really only caught him because he literally confessed to like a homeless man that he killed people, you know, like that's, (laughs) that was like pretty, (laughs) like, unfortunately, pretty sad, right? Because it's like, if he hadn't gone out and like bragged to like his friends about this, or like, you know, his other friend who he sold the jewelry to, like, there's really no way law enforcement, it seems like would have caught him just like how they didn't with the Golden State Killer, right? And just, you know, even though these guys are leaving like tons of you know they're sitting there they're having snacks after the murder and there's no dna at this time right and there's also like the golden state killer case was more interesting because you really learn about also how a lot of crimes against women at the time like rapes especially in the 80s were actually viewed as not a serious crime i mean they didn't touch upon it in this particular documentary and obviously the thing with him is he committed murder in conjunction with the rape almost in all cases but with the golden state killer for instance before he started murdering people he'd actually like raped dozens and dozens of women like 30 40 50 women and it was never really an elevated case because of the fact that like rapes also had a freaking statute of limitations of 10 years back then because it just was regarded as like a minor crime so they don't get into that but i would be willing to bet there's like some of that at play and also just all the disorganization with like law enforcement yeah No, I think I 100% agree with both of those points. And it's like, for me, what's almost like, to your point about what's scary about these murders is when you don't catch them, because clearly, the system is not set up well to catch serial killers. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, not only because the jurisdictions in terms of the localities are not like the sort of faux pas when like, there was a crime in San Francisco, and Diane Feinstein just decided to share all of the critical information (laughs) publicly. like what makes you think that's a good idea (laughs) what would a normal person do with the fact that he has this footprint that like is very specific to this one shoe like are they gonna just like check his shoe and be like hey i think you look like that serial killer can you please lift your foot so i can check your footprint well it was also so on that footprint actually the thing with the that i also found frustrating is like they kind of didn't really do anything with that footprint thing except connect the cases. That was like the only thing that the footprint served. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, so he's the Mm -hmm. only guy in the whole freaking city that has that pair of shoes. And like, you're telling me there's nothing else you can do. Like you can't even, I don't know. If I were like them, I'm sure maybe they did this, but like I would have told all the police jurisdictions, go around and look for someone wearing those shoes. (laughs) You know, it's like, that's like a number one. Like there should have just been, you would have thought at least or hoped that there'd be something more they could do with that. That piece besides just use it like sort yeah. of posthumously mm-hmm. i agree I, so i think to that point it's like it's almost like he was leaving evidence for people to find him right yeah. like it's almost like he 
wanted to be caught. Like, he loved the fact that people were talking about him. He was achieving some sort of stardom as a murderer, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the only reason, to your point, that he got caught. Like, if he didn't want to be caught, he wouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And he was not that sophisticated, right? Like, ultimately, I mean, he was ruthless and cold and all that, but ultimately, he's not probably the smartest person when it comes to these things. So it was a lot easier to connect him among these cases. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. And then the second point I found really interesting, which is, I think this is just like the psychology major in me. Like, like what drives a person to do the range of things that he did? Like, I still don't really understand that. You know, the killing stuff, like they were saying, like all of the methodologies were different. (laughs) The target was like whoever. (laughs) Yeah. Age range was whatever. Race, ethnicity, doesn't matter. And then he also molested children. I know. Like, that was crazy. Crazy. Why? I, I will say I've never seen that in an example, right? Because I mean, even the Golden State Killer, who had a pretty also varied, you know, victim range, he never actually molested children. Like that was one thing that's yeah, that's pretty sick. That's like really sick, and that's also yeah, you don't really see that in combination usually, like the murdering of adults and raping of like women, especially older women, combined with the molestation yeah. of children, male and female children, by the way, which was really sickening. But yeah, that's the part I still like. That I think that for me is a bone chilling part, right? Like, it's the fact that this person, for whatever reason, decided these were the things he wanted to do. And it's like, there's, I think as normal people think about these things, it's like, there's no reason for anyone to want to do that range. Right. That number of like crimes across all of these demographics. And it's that's a part that I think like ultimately is like what's scary about these shows for me. Like it's this like dark side of certain parts of humanity or society, right? Mm-hmm. Where like people like them exist and there's no trying to understand <laughs> where he or she might be coming from when they do these things. Yeah. So that that for me is always just like the scariest thing. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've wanted to read more about why serial killers are created, you know, or like what causes them. And I mean, so one of the biggest factors, as we know, is like child abuse, right? Or is like being abused when they were children and having like really tough periods when they were like growing up. And so that's, you know, that's certainly one. But yeah, it's pretty sick. Like, I don't, (laughs) I do feel like there's, there's gotta be something more to it just in terms of, you know, not just how you're raised, but like whatever brain chemistry is going on, like from the Mm -hmm. moment you're born. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, It can't be normal. I mean, yeah, yeah, just it's it's a level of like lack of consciousness that just don't comprehend. But yeah, no, that's anyway, that was pretty scary for me. But yeah, Yeah. to your point, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of (laughs) a lot of these shows now. Yeah, I was surprised you watched it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And now all I'm looking for is just a home security system. So if you have recommendations, please send them my way. (laughs) Oh my god, no, after um, so actually like uh, the Man in the Window podcast was sponsored by Mm -hmm. Simply safe and it definitely works because i like got simply safe and i have it now <laughs> it's like really so we're not endorsed by simply safe but we should be because <laughs> we're literally going to both get it <laughs> yeah no simply safe is great no actually you should get like the one simply safe is actually more expensive nowadays you can get the surveillance systems and they're like i think ring you can get monitoring for less than ten dollars a month simply safe is still like fifteen dollars a month oh, wow. for the basic yeah it's it's gotten pretty affordable because like adt and stuff are such ripoffs as I've, I've done research for this obviously mm-hmm. for when i put my system in and adt is like freaking five hundred dollar <laughs> installation cost plus freaking thirty dollars plus a month or thirty or four actually like up to fifty dollars a month if i remember correctly 
correctly. And it's like, then I looked up Simply Safe and it's like free installation because you literally install it yourself and it's so easy because you just stick little sensors on your door or window or whatever. And then mm-hmm. the monitoring's like at the basic tier, which is what I have, it's only $15. But yes, there are cheaper oh, ones. Wow. So I recommend you just like go to Best Buy and take a look and they often run promos too. Like they put this sets of security stuff on sale. So that'd be my recommendation. Oh, great. Good yeah. to know. So it's it's always good to be precautious because you realize also the thing with these cases mm-hmm. is, well, because a lot of these happened in the 80s, people used to leave their like windows open, doors unlocked. And in LA, it kind of makes sense because in LA, actually not that many homes like have AC. And even if you do have AC, mm-hmm. like at night, it gets super cold because it's desert climate, you know, in the summer. So it'd be like super hot in the day and super cold at night. And so, yeah, people would sleep with their windows open. It's very common even now. But this, mm-hmm. the real takeaway for me is to never do that. <laughs> Yeah, 100% agreed. You (laughs) can never be too careful. So everyone lock lock your doors. Everything. Lock your windows. Your window, your door. (laughs) Get like a dog. Get rid of your cat dog. Sorry, cat door. (laughs) Cat door. Oh my god. I was telling Mark, I was like, I want to like go to a shooting range and like learn how to use a gun like this weekend and maybe I'll like start sleeping next to a gun. But I'm kind of serious. Tim and I are talking about how we should just get one of those things and put it in the safe at home in case anything like this happens. I'm like, this is why people own guns. I get it now (laughs) because in the off chance you need it. Yeah, you you need a freaking gun. Anyways, well, I mean, we keep a baseball bat next to our bed, but you know, obviously that's less useful than a gun. So... (laughs) That's so smart. I should I should definitely get one of those. That would be a good idea. I think I would put like a butcher knife next to my bed if I Oh god. No, but what if you like accidentally hit yourself sleep on it or something? Yeah. No, that's a terrible I, I think the baseball bat's good. Yeah. Well that's true. That and like the issue really is you also need to make sure they don't find it before you do. That's like with the gun too. Yeah. Which I don't know how to yeah. solve for that. Yeah. So <laughs> Maybe that's a new startup, new startup idea. Let's let's figure that one out. <laughs> well, I have pepper spray too. So sometimes, like you know, the pepper spray you can keep mm. on your wrist, like the runner's pepper mm-hmm, spray. Mm-hmm. So I've mm-hmm. like thought about sleeping with it, like on my finger, just in case. But it's uncomfortable, so maybe I will do that. Yeah, maybe just have it in your bedside table. Yeah, yeah, that's what I have right now. I keep it on my bedside table, mm. and then once in a while, I'll pick it up just to remember how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like very paranoid. Again, I've seen too many of these. I triple check all the locks before I go to bed and I turn on my Simply Safe and then I sleep with my pepper spray and all that. So, <laughs> well, I think if anyone hears this, they're not going to your house. <laughs> <laughs> too much trouble for what Just it's worth. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Okay. Any other anything else we want to say about Night Stalker? No, besides the fact that like the other thing that was interesting to me was all these women that were like sending pictures to him. Oh god. Did you see I that? Oh, the last episode was so weird. People are sick. I just what? What? <laughs> Wait, help me understand who these people are because I don't get it. <laughs> he's like disgusting. I mean, okay, he's a little bit more attractive than the average, I guess, serial killer. You know, if you compare are you serious? him to photos. He looks like the devil himself. He looks like the devil. <laughs> but, okay, I just mean his like bone structure. He's not attractive to me. And yes, he does look very demented. But um, you know, he's got better bone <laughs> structure than like, say, okay, if you look up a photo of the Golden State Killer, especially a Golden State Killer when he was like younger, right? You'll know what I mean. That was, he was pretty mm. unappealing. So you, <laughs> you kind of get like well, maybe why he was never, you know, not that he was caught, but like, I don't think he would have ever been as popular um, would be my guess. Well, but that's the thing like with Ted Bundy too, there were all these women that 
would get the haircut. Oh, and, right. And they... Like, outfits of his targets. And he got married, too, right? He was married. Ted Bundy was married while right. he was committing all these crimes. Yeah. Yeah, but didn't he also get married, like, after, too, when he was in jail? Just like Ramirez did? <laughs> no? Okay, maybe I'm... Rem- I think he did. Maybe but, he, yeah. No, people maybe have a he sick did. fascination with serial killers that... <laughs> that I will never understand. Because the other thing that grosses me out is, like, his teeth. You oh, know? God. There's... No, I can't. Yeah, oh, just God. something about, like, bad oral hygiene and, ugh, ugh. That's, like, yeah, the grossest part for me. <laughs> but Yes. It's yeah. terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Anyway, so that was the only other point. But I think, yeah, I'm good to never watch that show again, so... <laughs> Yeah, I know. I yeah, (laughs) I I should. I don't know. I'm probably gonna watch some uh, other yeah serial killer shows as I mentioned after. But I do feel like I feel like you learn something from them. Maybe is that sort of you know our takeaways here? Yeah, like be very safe and you can never be too careful. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I'm pretty like well, I was pretty like oh you know yeah oh I, the other thing I saw on Netflix was actually the kidnapping of Madeline McCann you know with that girl that little mm. girl who was kidnapped while she was on vacation in Portugal which they've never figured out by the way they've kind of figured it out but not really what I learned from that show too is like you should never ever mess with the crime scene oh mm. and then the other case was like the <laughs> murder of John Bonet Ramsey which we remember you know from when we were younger at least I remember it was like all over the news both of those cases particularly show the fact that like even if your child or somebody that you know is like lying there dead or hurt don't go in the crime scene wait for the investigators Mm -hmm. to come because if you touch anything you may have destroyed evidence like you may have destroyed a Mm -hmm. fingerprint i think that's like the other main takeaway i would say from all the viewings i've made of these shows through time It's like yeah, beat. that's a good, that's a really great point. Yeah, you have to resist the temptation and never let anyone, even cops, go into the crime scene. You need the f- criminal forensic people to come first because the minute cops like start trotting in, it's like even the, like the footprint example. If like that guy had mm-hmm. preserved the footprint, you know, and just let people trample it, it would have been completely lost. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. Good well, point. We good learned point. from this, and we will now move on. Let's to move on. Other topics. <laughs> In happier news, we also watched more happy shows this weekend. We did. Everything else is very happy. All right, so let's start with... Okay, well, this may not be happy, but we did watch True Beauty, (laughs) which... Yeah, it didn't end on a happy note, even though it's a happy show. So why don't you go ahead? Okay, so this was... Specifically, this is going to touch on episodes 9 and 10. In our last episode, we touched on everything through episode 8. And it's so funny because I was, like, editing it. And then we were talking about how normally, post-episode 8, these shows, like, go to shit. And, like, people go... Like, crazy stuff starts happening, and so true. This is exactly what's happened, unfortunately, this week. I feel like the show did a complete 180, especially with um, episode 10. And yeah, I mean, why don't you start? No, I have to agree with you. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are we doing this right now? (laughs) Oh my god, I was literally Um, so, like, angry the entirety of watching episode 10. Because it wasn't even just, like, the ending, although the ending was, like, the icing on the cake. (laughs) It was, like, you know, she she got so annoying in episode 10. Do you agree? Like, the Moon moon Gayun's character? Oh, yes. Yes, Of course. And, you know, how much I really liked her best friend. Um, Yes. (laughs) Sujin? Is that her name? We all did. Sujin, right? Yes, Eugene. Yes. And why did they have to turn her into this terrible bitch? 
all of a sudden. Like, I mean, it was just so hard, right? Because she was a very good person. Like, she literally is somebody I would be best friends with and go to bat for and, like, just, like, all those things. And then all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, for a boy, she becomes this, like, terrible person that's, like, super cliched as a second lead in, um, Mm -hmm. second female lead in any Korean drama. Just, like, snap your fingers and there she is. Like, I'm a different person now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. It was so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I told you how the webtoon actually has her pretty evil to start with. So I guess they mm-hmm. reverted to her webtoon persona. But it was it was like so annoying because they built her up to be somebody else, you know? So there's no character consistency or logic for like why she suddenly became the way she is, right? Because you can't tell me that. Okay, she's known freaking Suho her entire life. And like now she chooses to like to confess and also to go crazy and to like, you know, be vindictive and passive aggressive to her like, you know, supposed good friend uh, it's just it makes no sense it was very very annoying yeah i have to say like everything the show has done up until these two episodes has been kind of like erased in some ways mm-hmm. by how cliched everything has been in the last <laughs> and then also like okay so episode nine was like okay yeah like you know i get it like and then you start to get the sense like so like you know there's like oh the awkwardness of like a new couple and then she's like hiding him and she there's a little bit of misunderstanding here and there like you're like okay i get it this is kind of like normal right like this happens in real relationships as well and I see what you're doing here and then they extend it for so much longer in episode 10 and then also like the part and of course you know the the story opens with all these conflicts right none of them have been resolved right one of them is of course his one of his best friends who committed suicide because like some scandal that wasn't his fault right and this is where they decide to introduce the fact that you know his dad is a bad person again and like (laughs) is really ruining people's lives Mm -hmm. like I don't I don't really understand why they did it this way. (laughs) I know. What do you think about that? I'm like very annoyed by his best friend suicide plotline overall. Like I've never liked it because it's so Mm -hmm. like it's such a again like a device and it's not super well fleshed out. It's also like we don't frankly give a shit because this guy like existed before we started the show. So there's no way Mm -hmm. any of us are invested or care. And you know all we see of him is like he's caused this rift between Sojun and Suho and you know he's also caused all this drama with like the sister at move you know the company and then the dad and it's it's getting blown Mm. out of proportion it was never my favorite arc so to have it like take up this much time and then to lead to the the end of episode 10 as we've alluded to like the freaking not just one person gets hit by a car two people get hit by a car which i will say i've never seen i've never seen them hit both the male leads at once with the car while they cross the street so that was new <laughs> and then you gotta him, kill like, two birds with one stone God. <laughs> I mean. it's like it, it was too like cliche to just have one of them get hit right it's like okay we're gonna like you know make this more dramatic we're gonna have them both get hit and then we're gonna we're gonna throw them in the air also for like five minutes you know so he can <laughs> we can like zoom in on his tear as he's like floating in the air <laughs> And also, it's funny because it's like he gets flipped in the air, but like Sojun's clearly okay, you know? <laughs> Sojun's just like on the, you know, like a normal car crash, like on the side. And then Suho's like suddenly, you know, 10 feet in the air. The whole thing How makes do no you sense. Get 10 feet in the air. 
<laughs> when there are two people hit at the same time, exactly. and they're、oh、holding each other. So I, I looked at the scene, and they're they're actually holding onto each other when they both get hit. Because、so, Sojun grabs him, so I'm like, I don't think it's like quite physically possible. <laughs> they're both hit in the middle of the car. You know, it's not like one of them was hit and one of them、yeah. was partly hit. Yeah, physics wise, it's zero sense. <laughs> But we get that nice, you.、Uh, you know, sun sunset scene of him floating in the air with. The- Golden like an、light. angel, yeah, <laughs> with like a single drop of tear. Oh my god! Out of his right eye, you know, just the right eye, not the left eye. Like we gotta be very clear about this that. This is clearly where they filled his eyes with tears, like the other episodes I've talked about, where um,、yeah. you know, they do that to make people fake cry.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is very clearly one of those scenes where they gave him eye drops and let him like release it in the air. Yeah, basically. Oh my god! Yeah, but、um, yeah, I oh, I was just gonna say I've been pretty disappointed. Pointed by these, well, especially episode ten, you know, and、uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You were gonna Dr- say something, sorry. Drugion, oh no, I'd say she's she really was the main frustration for me in episode ten, so like more so than even the ending. She was so annoying, you know, because it's like the fact that she basically refused communication with him and just like started ignoring him. It reminded me of like one of the top signs of a couple that's gonna get divorced is stonewalling.、Mm. I don't know if you've heard this.、Mm-hmm. It's like、mm-hmm, you know,、mm-hmm. basically. When a couple like can't talk things out, and when like one person gives each gives the other person the silent treatment all the time, that's actually like literally the number one indication that this couple's not gonna make it. So that's ex- literally what she did the entire episode, right? She just like stonewalled him over and over and over. Like he would sit there and like wait for her, you know, and then be super nice to her and like try to work things out, and then she would just like freaking be a like biatch to him, you know, and just、mm. go out to talk to him. But then like two seconds later, she's like, "I'm done talking to you. I'm gonna leave now because I'm." I'm so immature, and then never explain the situation with Sujin, even though it's like every right of his to know. You know, she just makes up these scenarios in her head,、mm. and yeah, she's very frustrating at this point. Like, I don't know if I can like quite、mm-hmm. root for her again. Yeah, I mean, I think she was always hard to root for, <laughs> but I think especially <laughs> now, it's like <laughs> no offense to her. <laughs> no, I, I agree. <laughs>、uh. I think she was always hard to root for, but I think it's unfortunate. Like you were saying, she does a lot of stonewalling and all that. But I think also underscores the fact that you know, like you know, he's not sharing everything with her. But like she's never really given him the time, right? Like he's not tell- coming to her and telling her, "Hey, like Susan came over here and like did this thing that made me uncomfortable or whatever."、Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't know that Susan picked up the call from her when she was calling him, assuming that he would pick up and all these things, right? Like so, there's like all these devices set up for misunderstanding and for each other. To doubt themselves and like you know work through their own issues you know and for her it's like I like just don't love the fact that you know already you know she wasn't a super likable character because her concern not to say it's not a big issue right was that she has bad skin and like until she put on makeup she wasn't pretty obviously she was bullied for that and that was painful and you know there's a lot going on there but like you know she has self esteem issues because of that basically that's her core conflict and then here it's basically like let's amplify this one core conflict of hers. And compare it to like eight other conflicts that he has going on, like between his dad with his best friend, and like all these、yeah. other things,、uh. and make her look like a really petty, immature person, like even more so than she normally is, because she wouldn't talk to him.、Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just like the juxtaposition of the two things and the timing of it just makes it look so bad for her. Yeah, and like I don't understand why they did that. Like I really still don't get it. I don't know. I know. Oh my god, I hate when drama female leads are written so. 
badly, which is more often than not actually the case, which I I don't know when Mm. this will ever change because I feel like that's become increasingly my frustration with a lot of K-dramas is, well, first of all, they go to shit like after episode eight. But then secondly, the female Mm. leads are so hard to root for because they always, like Mm -hmm. even if they start out smart and likable, they'll like pull a Sujin (laughs) or, you know, they'll like just become like really randomly immature and then like the guy has to like sort of put in all the work and it's very common yeah. in a lot of Asian dramas and I find that so annoying because you don't quite see that as often with American dramas I mean maybe mm-hmm. you do I don't know but yeah it's just no you don't yeah no you don't it's right you just don't... really unfortunate mm-hmm. yeah so that's uh, I mean it's once you lose the female lead you know once you really can't support her um like we were talking about a couple episodes ago right like that's that's kind of the mm-hmm. point where you sort of lose attachment to the drama yeah and I also just think like you used to be able to root for a best friend and now you hate her as well so it's like great there's nothing going <laughs> for it at this point it's like nobody to root for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And her sisters. Oh, her sisters always annoyed me too. I think I said that. I do like her, but uh, she's like so like overly righteous now. She's like, oh, how dare mm-hmm. you plagiarize? <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> calm down here. Like, it's not your song, you know? <laughs> like, it's not like, your company either. <laughs> correct. I'm like, you're getting a little too worked up considering you're kind of like, you seem like a low level employee. Like, maybe just quit and find a new job, <laughs> you know? Or like, I don't know, go to the, yeah, I guess she's going to go be a whistleblower or something and she's just like she's too overacting i think see also the issue with her sister oh and the fact that she's been like drunk every single episode i personally mm, found that really annoying <laughs> yeah that that part is tough and also like what whistleblower goes up to someone and says i'm gonna go whistleblow now it's like yeah. who does that? <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna do that like is there anyone we know that does that <laughs> yeah i don't think that's how you whistle like, blow. like <laughs> What is the empirical evidence there? (laughs) (laughs) You like, are you asking to be like in trouble by the person you're trying to whistleblow? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Oh my god. Yeah, so this drama yeah. just like went off the deep end. But I doing I did like the dumpling scene. I thought the dumpling scene was like the one highlight of these two episodes. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't like what they did with the crane and the dragon. It's <laughs> like what? Wait, why? Oh, just like Well, it was like way too much, right? Like making a dumpling <laughs> is fine, but then like to be like dragon and crane, like I get that <laughs> probably was in the webtoons, but like to do it in real life just looks really terrible, right? Like oh, it's yeah, like yeah. oh god. Like, this looks like clearly into a joke yeah like it looks like a bunch of dough that no one's ever gonna touch like what a waste (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true I know it's like the problem with this drama yeah. sometimes it goes like too far over or like her dad oh my god her dad is so annoying mm, I do what not a like pathetic him pathetic old man like if my dad were like that I would literally like disown him I I could not deal with like <laughs> I, you know, isn't it just, it's like next level shameful <laughs> to have him like crawl, like it's one thing for him to lose your family's money, like okay, but then to like freaking beg your new boyfriend to like preserve him and then, oh, and then to drink an entire like jug of alcohol or whatever, which I don't think is even possible by the way, like in a day. I think, I'm pretty sure he would have like had liver poisoning like by that point. <laughs> that 
whole, I did whole... like that they tried to do uh, the parasite parallel though with him under. Oh, the is that what it was? Coffee table. To? I was thinking that, but I was like, I think hmm. so. Oh yeah, I guess it was. And then the fact that he was eating off of their table, like in that way. The reason I recognized it was there was that one scene where you know they were coming out and they were like, oh, let's go go to the TV yeah. and watch something, right? And then That's he true. came out with his head like horizontal or vertical to the floor. I forget which direction. But that was a very parasite kind of scene with like the people who were hiding under the house, right? Like, <laughs> like the head being like all kinds of weird directions <laughs> as they're hiding from the main. <laughs> I thought they did a funny job with, like, some of these things, like, the dumpling competition, and then also the part where, like, they fight, and then they ended up cutting each other's toenails. I thought that was pretty priceless. Yeah. I still don't like Hansu Jun either. Do you like him? No. They haven't developed him at all. He's so pathetic now. Like, he was always a little pathetic, but now more so than ever, right? Because he, like, just keeps pining after her, even though she clearly doesn't like him. And he's, like, going around stalking her, basically, like, at the cafe and stuff. Yeah. I can't stand, like, second leads like that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to the next show? Yeah, let's move on to the next show. Okay, so do you want to talk first about Bling Empire? Sure. So the other show I watched over the weekend was Bling Empire. (laughs) So it was one of those shows. And I think we talked about Crazy Rich Asians on this podcast before. It wasn't like something we loved, right? It was a little bit like, okay, well, cool, but like a little bit unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the preview on Netflix, I was like, well, there's no way I would enjoy this. It feels just like Crazy Rich Asians. Except it was actually like way more interesting. So I actually ended up watching a lot of it this weekend. I still have a few more episodes to go, but I just found it endlessly entertaining more than anything. Like, in my opinion, what makes it interesting is not just that, you know, these people are rich and therefore they by definition are interesting. But more so because you actually get to see the people behind it, right? Like, it is one of those places where, like, a show where, like, they do really, like, throw their, like, money in your face and really showcase how much money they have to spend and how they get to do whatever they want. But ultimately, you get to know the people behind the scenes where, like, you know, they have normal human struggles as well. Like, I don't know how far... I think you only watched 10 minutes of it, didn't you? I watched 20 minutes, yeah, so not very far. Okay. Well, so, like, there are a few characters that are actually really endearing, even though, like... They're also, like, you know, who they are. Um, I really personally liked Kang, who is this, like, adorable little man. (laughs) He does look pretty cute. He seemed very (laughs) likable. Yeah, he just says whatever he wants, which is, like, amazing. And, like, for someone who comes from his upbringing, he's, like, I think very modest and really actually pretty, like, good as a human, right? Like, he's, like, pretty loyal to his friends and you can tell that he, like, doesn't try to get involved in the drama too much. Um, So, like, that's what, like, makes him such a great person in the show. There's also, of course, Kevin, who's a model who is allergic to clothing. (laughs) (laughs) If you continue watching, you'll see that he doesn't want to wear his shirts ever, uh, which is really funny. (laughs) But he's also just, like, a down-to-earth kind of person, right? Like, he, like, it's funny how the show sets it up as, like, he's a poor person in a bunch. But, like, in reality, I actually think he's, like, better off than some of the other cast members. He's done pretty well for himself. You know, we did actually have him at our company speaking to um, some of the Asian ERG groups a few years ago when he came out with the movie of The Ugly Model. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was, like, well-known. So, like, I think he's a model, but I think he's really well-known for his work with, like, TED Talk and, like, this whole thing about his identity growing up as an Asian in a mostly white place. 
also like you know being adopted and then like of course and after he tried to be a model like all of the struggles that he faced as a result of that so i think he like really kind of had that life experience to share uh, and that's what people know him for at this point i think Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's pretty good looking. He's definitely the better looking than some the other guy, <laughs> Kane. <laughs> well, Kane but is he's just like, like one of those like tiny little like you're like oh be my best friend. Yeah, he's you know he does look very adorable. He's got like a round face and stuff, which is always <laughs> pretty cute. Yeah. No, Ke- Kevin looks like he he looks a lot like the um, kind of generic popular Asian online these days. I don't know if you know what I mean, but like you know on YouTube you turn on on like any YouTube channel now that features like an Asian guy and he's kind of got that look that Kevin does which is like the really chiseled face and like Mm. the high up hair and like you know the good bod and stuff like yeah I mean so so it's not like my type but um I I could see his appeal. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I think for me, like, my husband and I both just feel like he's more relatable as a human, right? Like, he he has, like, his own sense. Yeah, maybe I just need to watch more of him, because I didn't, I only saw, I mean, the part where he's, like, trying on the Versace underwear with Kane (laughs) was about (laughs) as far as I got, so it was a little superficial. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of superficial, like, Christine does not get better, right? Like, she remains a very superficial person. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's hard to like from that perspective but even then they go into her struggles as a woman married into this very traditional Chinese family who really believes that her sole responsibility is to have children you know and how she wasn't able to for like 11 years so you you'd end up actually having some sympathy for her and then understanding where she is coming from you're like I see why you're terrible in some of the other ways <laughs> um but yeah. I really, speaking of Christine, I really liked Anna Shea. Uh, she is just so badass. Like, she just doesn't give about anyone or anything. Like, just who she is. She's so comfortable in her own skin. Which, like, I feel like you don't see very much as someone who's, like, literally, like, on the show, like, scripted to be the person that, like, is, like, the Queen Bee rivalry situation. Mm-hmm. So, like, I thought that was really interesting and refreshing as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's a lot older, though, right, than the other cast members. So that kind of makes sense she should be a little bit more mature yeah i wouldn't say she's like more mature i would say she's just like doesn't care (laughs) (laughs) okay she's just like who she is you know like you know some people are just so comfortable with who they are as humans like she's one of those people okay yeah yeah she has an interesting background that she's like half russian half asian that's like pretty rare so so okay so they actually misrepresented that so she's actually like her father was american like white american okay her mom was japanese with like a quarter russian in her heritage something like oh okay so a little bit different yeah so she's actually like a quarter asian then i think she's like um i don't know two-thirds asian or whatever Whatever you do the math. Um, she's like three-eighth Asian, I guess. Okay. That's what she is. I see. <laughs> so it's like almost a half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't understand. Yeah, I I couldn't really at the time. Like, I'm not into a lot of these like housewives shows, which this reminds me of, right? With Mm -hmm. these like super rich people who um, spend money, and and it's unclear if they're acting. I think that's the other thing that Mm -hmm. I'm never quite you know into with these shows because like also like you know the girl who's dating her Power Ranger husband, the boyfriend. Like she, I don't know. She feels a little. Their relationship feels a little fake. Yeah, like that one. I think is very scripted. 
Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because I got to a point where he was like yelling at her over the phone. And I, I don't know, I just, it didn't feel like a realistic argument. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this feels definitely like he's like reading some lines and like trying to say them with like anger, but I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think it's just stirring up drama, you know, for the sake of the TV show. So yeah, that was when I stopped watching, but I will have to go back and watch a little bit more. That part, I think her whole relationship with that guy and also with Kevin, that's all scripted. I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah. But the rest of the stuff I think is based on reality um, because they do actually have interesting things to share. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of scripted stuff. I mean, I'm at the point where I'm like, a lot of this is also getting scripted. I mean, even though it's based in real life, like, it's like, oh, I don't know. So It um, feels like fake. Yeah. yeah. Feels pretty fake. Yeah. Because even like their DJ friend, like the photo shoot and her mom's like all trying to be cool. That felt mm-hmm. really fake to me. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely was, yeah, very extra. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was entertaining nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. I will watch some. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, these shows do make you feel, like, depressed for not being rich, though, right? I think that's my other problem really? with them. Because they're... I uh, don't know. Because you're just no. like, I wish I could be so rich and just go to Piaget and buy their jewelry. I don't know. I think if more than anything, this show makes me feel like they hide behind these things, you know, Mm -hmm. even though they have a lot of the same struggles as everyone else. Okay, maybe that'll come through later. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get that sense from the first like, episode. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Like the, you know, weekend trip to Paris for her birthday. I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> it's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. Because <laughs> I have a budget. <laughs> well, also COVID, so like, a little oh, tougher. Clearly <laughs> 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 yeah. was pre-COVID when they filmed it, right? So. Oh my god, yeah. I know. Uh, uh, cool, I will check it out. Alright, nice. um, so then I guess the last show that I'll go through is Mr. Queen. Did you watch any of it or no? I watched half an hour of it in the first episode. (laughs) My mom came in actually when I was watching the first hour, like the first episode, and she like, you know, wasn't even paying attention, but you know, she's watched a lot of Asian dramas and she was like, the acting looks so fake. I can't stand it. It looks like such a stupid show. Which is true, especially for the first episode, the first few episodes, to be honest. Well, okay, so for listeners, the premise is basically this male blue house <laughs> chef, <laughs> like, hits his head while, like, falling into a pool and then wakes up in the body of this Joseon-era queen <laughs> or queen-to-be <laughs> at the time. And the story basically goes from there. And it's, yeah, so it, it's a very strange premise because it's, like, body swapping and gender swapping and also like you have a modern man supposedly in like this feudal era woman's body and so he's trying to live within like the norms of like that society and like the comedy is obviously that he's still like a man and so he's like hitting on the women he's like you know walking around like swaggering around and he's not taking the king seriously so episode one's like a lot of that and I do think that it's a little overacted definitely in the beginning that said I kept watching because I was just really interested how they would develop a romance because we all know that K-dramas like can't resist any sort of romance and like the main cast I actually like both actors quite a bit so the girl Shin Hai-san she was in My Golden Life mm-hmm. with Park Shi-hoo which was a very good drama is like what broke her out into like stardom basically because she like she acted really well in that drama like that drama asked a lot of her and she like definitely
emotionally delivered. She, other, before that, she played like more supporting role type of characters. And then the guy is the second lead from Crash Landing on You, mm-hmm. who I always thought was kind of wasted in that drama because his character was actually pretty appealing. He played this fugitive from South Korea who's, you know, in North Korea and then ends up falling in love with a North Korean woman. And then he ends up basically being killed in a pretty like, uh, what do you call it? Like let down fashion towards the end of that drama. So I always like wanted to see a little bit more of him. And I will say that they have actually really good chemistry because, you know, both of them are pretty strong actors. Once you get past the overacting again of like the first couple episodes, they both really do know how to deliver upon like different moments, especially more serious moments, I think is when they shine more so than like necessarily the comedic moments, which are played up a little bit too much. And yeah, so I was really curious if they would get together because it's kind of a strange, um, you know, gender bending romance. And I've always kind of liked the body switching, like, or like not body switching, but you know, like the coffee princes, the sunken kwans, where like the girl pretends to be a guy and mm-hmm. the guy still falls in love with her because it's just like, you know, love defies like identity, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> that like drew me in. And that actually does carry out in the sense that, yes, there is a romance and it does develop between them, but it's like a very, very, very slow burn, which I actually like. So I would say I just finished episode 12 and this is a drama that so far has not gone crazy and has <laughs> actually gotten... <laughs> And has actually gotten better you in mean, the second half. You mean half. it started out so crazy that there was nowhere else for it to go. <laughs> yeah. So now it's actually like pretty normal. Like it's actually gone the opposite direction. Of maybe, like that's a, maybe that's the secret. You have to go really crazy and there's nowhere to go and you just be normal yeah. for the rest. Exactly. And so so now you're actually kind of swept in because there's a lot of there is a lot of scheming and politicking as inevitable with these freaking historical dramas. And I don't like that. And it's very slow in the first few episodes. But like now I'm at a point where I actually kind of care about the drama because basically Cho uh, who's the king, he is put there as basically a puppet by the queen dowager, who's the leader of this like Kim clan in which the queen is, you know, a member of this clan, which is why she was selected to be queen because this is like the most powerful family of that time and they, they basically overrule all decisions of the king and so you know when you're in the drama you slowly learn that the king is trying to free himself from their grasp and trying to like find ways to like get the Kim family like out of get them in trouble and like basically usurp their power and he's really not able to do that yet and there's some really really strong and interesting confrontations now between him and the family and it's gotten more serious as the drama has progressed um, mm. because you get sort of more embedded into like his ambitions and then also the romance is it started developing I'd say pretty late like it probably started around episodes like seven to eight is when we start seeing the signs of romance um and even now it's like a very reluctant romance because the queen is still the like male chef at heart Mm -hmm. and so she like it's pretty funny because she'll like whatever be swept up in a moment with the king and think he's like handsome and then she'll like beat herself up right after Mm -hmm. and then she'll like still try to fantasize about like she selected the concubines for the king um and so she'll like trying to you know fantasize about like these three concubines (laughs) but then like (laughs) 
<laughs> but then it's like intermixed with like oh suddenly she's like fantasizing about the king <laughs> so it's it's actually pretty well developed so far like the relationship between the two and it's again yeah it's, it's a super slow burn and so i'm really invested now in just seeing like what happens with both the romance but then also yeah what happens to the time traveler like does he ever go back to his real body and then um lastly like what happens to king because i think the king in history chojan actually had a like he was pretty quickly taken out of power so he didn't mm. actually have a very happy ending so it'll be interesting what the drama decides to do oh yeah that'll be interesting could the drama yeah. actually basically take both of them back to the present return them to respective bodies <laughs> and have them live happily ever ever i hope so that would be a nice yeah that'd be a nice ending <laughs> <laughs> should we just write these dramas? I feel like we, we should, should do these. these yeah, Maybe we can I mean, fix True Beauty. <laughs> oh my god, I know. I feel like at this point, like I honestly feel like I could write a better drama than some of these like writers. Yeah. Because they're so bad. I'm like, did you not expect that you would have 16 episodes to fill and you just like ran out of content, you know, midway through? Like how, how did this happen? <laughs> but what? yeah, the Mr. Queen actually feels like it's so far well paced and like they have a clear goal in mind so everything sort of made sense and it's actually gotten like more cohesive as you've gone along which i do really appreciate and so yeah i actually do recommend checking it out i think the first three episodes definitely try to watch at like 2x or something (laughs) (laughs) and then uh you know and then you can maybe slow down a little bit more for some of the moments between the two characters that sounds good i'll definitely give it a try um great awesome cool well i guess yeah that was it that was our update on the latest shows we've watched well thanks everyone for listening this week and we will speak to you again next week see our contact information in the description please make sure to subscribe to our show if you liked it we'll talk to you next week bye bye bye